Mm-hmm. Oh, I burped so loud. Oh, nice. I went through my nose. And then uh, we're doing the we, thing. Then we, we kill Roz. Thing? I think we're doing. What, the thing. what, what do we say here? Avanti. Uh, yeah. If you introduce Italian. the podcast in Italian. Uh, buonasera, uh, bienvenuto. Uh, well, there's your problem. Uh, oh, Tom Payne's gonna get so mad at us in the comments. Uh, my, my, my Italian uh, now pe- runs pe- out. Pizza, salami, uh, uh, prosciutto. <laughs> Normally, uh, I would be Gabagool. shot for being Italian. Uh, Mussolini. Right, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Clara Patachi, and welcome to... <laughs> and the sound of a PPSH firing in the background. <laughs> Clara Patachi, Nicolina Bombacci, welcome to, uh, welcome to Well, There's Your Problem. It's a podcast with slides. About engineering disasters. Also, if they wasn't killed with a PPSH, I don't fucking care. Don't, don't get weird in the comments. I, mm. I'm Justin Rosnick, I'm the person who's talking right now. My pronouns are he and him. Okay, go. Uh, I am she and her, and fuck, yeah, no, I fucked that up, didn't I? I was trying to think of, I am she and her. I am am the pronouns. I have a name. I have a name. I'm she and her, and my pronoun is Alice. (laughs) That's right. I I am Alice Caldwell Kelly. I was trying to think of what my pronouns would be in Italian, and then it just crossed a wire in my brain. Uh, (laughs) But my pronouns are she and her. Fuck you. Complete short circuit. Hi. Um, stop talking. I'm Liam Anderson, <laughs> and my pronouns are he and him. So, what you're seeing on the screen here is an ocean liner. Mm. But you may notice it is uh, not in a great orientation. It's not in a very good situation. Same, I don't want to avoid, avoid this situation. Oh, an MAS-38 is what killed Mussolini, allegedly. Mm. Okay. But this is lying on its side in the water, which is not where a boat wants to be. No, you want to be upright in the water, ideally. Mm. Um, this is not a, and this is this is not deep water, but it is deep enough. Yeah, well, um, you can drown in this also, right? Exactly. Uh, today we're going to talk about one uh, a disaster I've wanted to do for a while now. Um, the Andrea Doria. Um, Ooh, okay. Which was, of course, the. Uh, uh, you, you sound surprised, even though you helped do the slides. I was. It's called artifice. You don't have to like always show them. Like you have to pull back the curtain all the time. I'm gonna pull back the curtain constantly. There is no curtain in this podcast. <laughs> it's like a translucent, like a sort of shower curtain. You know. I've heard of suspension of disbelief, and I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> I've heard of podcasters who attempt to edit mm-hmm. and polish, and you know they're cowards. No, this is raw. <laughs> That's you, you, right. You, you get what you get. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We hate you, and we want you to know we hate you. You ever go to one of those all-inclusive resorts in the Caribbean where if, if we would we would thrive there? We'd poison your food every other night. The jazz band would be shot as they performed. Uh, Normally, I would be shot for being Italian. I I I am obligated to like Italians as my future mother-in-law is Italian. So hmm. there you go. But I still make um, fun of her for it. We have one pro-Italian person on the spot. I'm not pro-Italian. I, actually, I, don't, pro know. I don't know. I've, I've, I've been watching... I'm pro-Italian. I've been watching this uh, this Italian cop show, Il Cacciatore. Um, a girl on there with the most fantastic Roman nose I've ever seen in my life. So I'm pro-Italian too, you know? Yeah, I think we're actually all pro-Italian. That's the uh, issue. We, we make fun failed. of them that we like them. Be- Bella Ciao? Um, banger. 
Um, I, this is Italy month. For that's when, true. There's your problem. When the podcast. room hits your eye. With a broom, with a mood, <laughs> fuck. The moon. Italy, when, it's, Italian month may not be an actual month, is the thing. It is for the, us, so shut up. Yes, the, the, well, the, plan, the plan that I have sort of tentatively devised is that we're going to do Italian disasters until we run out or get bored. Um, and when the, uh, the bow hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's MS Stockholm. <laughs> <laughs> Atrocious. Uh, yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. I apologize. No, um, no, you don't. <laughs> Fuck them. Um, before what do we I talk see in the screen in front of me? Before we talk oh, about that bit. Andrea Doria, uh, we have to do the goddamn news. Donny. Donald Trump has... He's, I think it's very unfair that they went after Donald Trump just for taking stuff from work. <laughs> um, yeah, everyone I, does it, it, that. You should take stuff from work, right? It's 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 good. You should do it. You know, I, right here on my desk, I have a tape measure I got from work, right? <laughs> well, how Donnie from Queens, he got nuclear codes. There's I was gonna nothing say, different between us. D- d- does that <laughs> does that uh, does that contain nuclear information? Because the FBI have raided Mar-a-Lago. It has numbers on it. Close it has numbers enough. on it, which is the same thing as the nuclear codes. Well, for a while, the code to fire all the nuclear weapons was zero 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 zero. That's true. That's that not was a, a joke. Lyndon Johnson thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, admin uh, one. What, 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 <laughs> what are the purpose of these codes? Yes. I'm the president. <laughs> I should just be able to say, "Launch the nukes," and they do it. <laughs> That oh, is such an LBJ thing. Just be like, no, actually a Nixon thing. You should have to kill the intern uh, who has the codes implanted in their chest cavity. Yeah, but right now they're, they they were implanted in Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump's beach house, uh, and the FBI got a warrant and they uh, went in uh, and took a bunch of documents. So. Uh, Trump has now got his his people trying to call to abolish the FBI, which is very funny. Um, yes, I it'd be funny if the like you know they're gonna pass on Fred Hampton and Martin Luther King, but this is the thing that does for them. Um, yeah, no, I to me to my mind, uh, th- this this is good. I enjoy the fact that there is a near certainty now at this point that Donald Trump is gonna get arrested off of this shit. Yeah, he's I, not going to go to jail. You, no, you, no. you don't want to break the Espionage Act. I, I will say that. Of all the laws we have, uh, many of which are stupid, the Espionage Act, you probably shouldn't break that one. What, what, he's, what he's accused of breaking in the meantime is the Presidential Records Act, which Whoa. is... <laughs> I mean, I, I have a friend in the National Archives, and apparently the vibe there right now is a very serious sort of federal, uh, the Presidential Records Act is no laughing matter, sir, kind of vibe. (laughs) I'm just glad that even as a private citizen, Donald Trump can do something this funny. That's true. That's true. (laughs) That that and the, the, like, statements that he's made about it. Oh, Um, they're, they're, they're top notch. Uh, I will say, uh, do not give him his Twitter account back because it's funnier to watch him have to squeeze this through true social statements. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, but yeah, he was he was just taking stuff home from work, and and the, the the current sort of like defense position 
is he was declassifying stuff in his mind okay, when he took it out of works. the office. I can't do that. I was, I was rotating the documents in my mind. And if it's yeah. nuclear stuff, you specifically, I believe by statute, cannot declassify nuclear material. No, but he, uh, that, that, that's the idea. And it's admittedly it's stupid, admittedly it's wrong in its face. Is it going to stop five Supreme Court justices from... from six. Uh, six Supreme Court justices. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, of course not. Uh, someone's going to adopt the position in neutrality as like a posturing thing. Roberts. <laughs> I will uh, say, I saw a very stupid take uh, by someone who I will not name. Uh, name that him. Was, name him. That was uh, Matt Chrisman. Fuck it. We're, 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 we're doing, we're doing <laughs> okay. Chapo beef again. All right. All right. Let's go. Uh, that oh, was okay, like, okay. if he took the nuclear codes and they changed them, that's no big deal. And it's like, A, nuclear documentation, nuclear codes aren't the same. Uh, you're that's on its face wrong, and B, yeah. come on, man, like no, you shouldn't. We shouldn't be leaking the nuclear it's codes. Like, aren't you supposed to no, be the no, smart no, one? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with Matt here. Um, I <laughs> basically everyone knows how to make a hydrogen bomb. Um, yeah, it's, it, the, it's, it's like it's it's not it's not like super hard. Like no, uh, it's North the material, it's it the processes involved. Yeah, and, and like the, the the capability and right. shit. Yeah, you make, you make, uh, I believe you, you make uh, some our, plutonium. Done. Friend of the show, uh, Swocialism slash your himbo boyfriend, I believe, pointed out that it's an incredibly complex step. You don't just need a facility capable of enriching uranium. You don't just need a facility capable of, of whatever else. You don't just need and so on and so forth. Yeah, but and, and no, like, this, this taking, stuff... It, if you're <laughs> violating the Espionage Act, no matter how funny he is on Twitter, they should nail his dick to the well, floor. Yeah, because the thing is that, like, the command and control of this stuff is quite literally radioactive, right? It should be miles away from anyone finding out about it. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I was worried about this when, when Trump got elected. I, I'm still worried about it now. Uh, doesn't preclude me from making jokes about it, but um, yeah, it's very bad. <laughs> Alright, I'm, I'm gonna... I'm gonna build a hydrogen bomb in my basement. You do that. Just to prove oh, yeah. you all are wrong. With all the chemicals <laughs> that you <laughs> You would go in the basement is, now. You're just like, oh, there's too many chemicals down there, and I don't know what they are. But you're gonna not, build no, a bomb. I do know what they are. That's why I don't go down there. There you go. There you go. So you're a fucking pussy. <laughs> I, 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 I stand by the Chiron that I put on this. Uh, the FBI would not have had to raid Mar a Lago if the National Archives could do it itself. Uh, every organization, we every bureaucracy, federal police department, yeah, exactly. just give the national archives one. Every, every sort of like organ of the federal government grows cops on it like mold, and I will collect their patches and challenge coins. Um, and I'm I'm missing a national archives one. I think we 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 got to have a like a, a top tier tactical unit for the national archives. But then you'll get mad at us and accuse Alice of being a cop, and she's not. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna accuse Alice of being a cop, and that's the most horrible thing you can think of. When I will soon be a hydrogen bomb owner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not 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 just a cop, but specifically an archive cop. You know, that's that because that's the thing, right? I genuinely think the more niche your cop job is the more justifiable it is. If your job is stop people violating this one rule, that's a better starting point than go out and look for people who are violating rules in general. So like, I'm, I, don't, I don't oppose the existence of the kind of cops who guard the nuclear energy stuff, right? Um, 
or I don't know hell, even like the IRS cops, the the uh, the FDA has cops, all of that shit. That's cool. The USDA to me. has cops too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I was always sort of tickled by mint police. Hmm. Uh, uh, you got the mail cops. The, yeah. Oh, the, oh, yeah. you, oh, don't fuck with the 90, mail cops. Yeah. Ninety-eight percent yeah. conviction rate at trial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like yeah. Japan levels. Also, if you like, and I'm sorry, like eight cab, but if you punch a mailman, you get what's coming to you. Oh yeah, they're there to deliver your mail. They're there to deliver your mail. Don't mail anthrax. I don't know what to tell you. That's common sense. Don't don't mail anthrax. Don't mail a hydrogen bomb. Uh, (laughs) You got to hand deliver that. Yeah, yeah, you you probably got to hand deliver. Well, no, usually people deliver them remotely. Backpack (laughs) Newton. Best Friends Day. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) on Friends Day. Yeah. Yeah, so 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 Donald Trump is almost certainly going to get arrested. He is also almost certainly not going to get convicted of anything. Um, he's also yeah, got the, the, the YouTube comments below. He's also got, got the New York Attorney General uh, probe going on into all of the extremely criminal ways he ran all of his businesses, which is going to be hysterical. Yeah, that will be pretty funny. Yeah, especially when they still don't do anything to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're just sort of a long "How dare you, sir?" How dare you? He's learned his lesson. We're the idiots. (laughs) It's just going to keep the Muller She Wrote podcast going for a couple more years. Is what it's going to do. You know, I haven't insulted them, and I I do want to take a moment to appreciate their grift when it was so obvious that nothing was going to come of that, and they were sucking down whatever was it like five hundred k a month at some point. Something like. They were, I mean, they were much yeah, larger than Chapo, if I recall correctly. We're, we're, we're a successful podcast, <laughs> but like, uh, mm, no, I don't know. I, Stuff I, like I, that I makes me those, feel like I follow those Graftrion uh, rankings religiously. They were they were like number ten or twelve for a long time, but they okay. were never number one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all, all all I have to say about this really is, how dare you, sir? Yeah, because I got that from Clear and Present Danger. I think we're we're at eighteen now. So uh, last yeah. podcast on the left, we're coming for you. We have more patrons <laughs> than Red Scare, so suck that shit, assholes. Yeah, but all of them give them like five dollars a month, and we we're, we're down to like a two dollar a month thing. So yeah, we we well because we only release one bonus episode a month occasionally. Yeah, we're oh, not yeah. very good. We're not very good at the whole. We're, not, we're fair, not very good at the thing, but at least we're yeah. not crypto fascists. That's our yeah. promise to you. Yeah. yeah, you get what you pay for. <laughs> yeah, and, and one more thing before we get psycho commenters on Twitter and YouTube. I uh, I disagree with Matt Crispin. I don't hate the guy. Shut the fuck up. Nice <laughs> fucking weird. You fucking weirdo lunatics. All right, beep 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 right. beep beep beep. Go blow a tailpipe. I don't fucking care. No 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 podcast beef today. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of speaking of unresolved beefs, for uh, Simon Rushdie. Salman Rushdie, man, they, they they got his ass like the end of a mob movie. After thirty years in witness protection, uh, he lets his guard down for one split second to to give a speech about extremism, and a guy rushes the stage and stabs him in the fucking eye. Horrible shit. Wow, that's that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. I wouldn't want. To I haven't seen updates on his condition since Saturday. Is he expected to live? I thought he was expected yeah, yeah, basically he's, to he's, lose he's, the he's eye. Gonna, he's, he's gonna he's live, like but he's, he's gonna almost live, certainly yeah. gonna lose the eye and like probably like the use of one arm. It's really bad. That's terrible. Uh, okay, okay. Now, I should know this, but I don't. Hmm. Salman Rushdie is a, a fiction author. Yes. And everyone's yeah, very mad at him versus. for some reason. Yeah, so he wrote this book, The Satanic Verses, which is... Great book, by the way. I haven't read it. 
Um, you should. It's fantastic. I I've read other stuff of his before and not enjoyed it. And the 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 sort of like bits and pieces, the the, the quotes from the Satanic verses that I've read, I I didn't care for it. Essentially, uh, like. It's a very dense, very literary book that, in like, it's very postmodern, but in parts contains aspects of what I think strike me at least as like sort of gleeful provocation uh, of not just like um, Khomeini, who is like his, was his enemy number one, was the guy who got him stabbed in in this instance, mm-hmm. uh, but like Muslims in general in Islam. Um, and I, you know, I, it's 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 a complex topic, right? Because everyone wants you as a Muslim to go, okay, well, you shouldn't stab a guy because he wrote a book making fun of you. And yeah, I will quite happily say that you should not stab a guy because he made a book making fun of you. On the other hand, you're not obliged to pretend that there is no insult there. I think is the thing. I, th- I think it's like a, we got a we got a Charlie Hebdo type situation. Well, yeah, a, almost exactly, a, yeah. A, yeah. A, a disproportionate response. What might? Oh, say. certainly. Yeah. In in the same way that the Charlie Hebdo thing was, and yeah, you you, you can put it, you can understand it as like um, so someone who conceives this as part of a long train of abuses and usurpations and all of this uh, doesn't excuse anything. Um, but it, I, I think that's why you see this sort of insurgent, terroristic, uh, like, attempt on his life. And, you know, now some of the worst people in the world, some of the most cynical people in the world, people who, uh, who boosted his work not because they cared about it or him, or certainly not freedom of speech, but who absolutely did have an axe to grind with Islam, uh, are going to sort of, you know, either have their own legacies tarnished or are going to use this for their own ends. Uh, I, I'm seeing people fucking rehabilitate Christopher Hitchens again, and that oh, just... Oh, boy. Mm, yeah, so... I was 14 w- once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so w- w- once again, uh, terrorism kind of ruins it for everyone, I guess you could say. I think yeah, that's fair. I, I, I gotta say, as, um, as a future hydrogen bomb owner, don't do terrorism. Um, Roz is keeping this in his basement as a deterrent, of course. Yeah, yeah, you're taking a strong sort of libertarian stance here, This is very much a a mutually assured destruction situation. It is not, I don't intend to use it. It's like linked to your heartbeat, like, uh, like, what is that, snow crash? That sounds good. I like that. I'm going to do that when I build my hydrogen bomb. Yeah, FBI is not going to like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, this is this is a great way for all of us to meet some federal agents, and yes. and and when I do, I can shake the hands and go, "Thank you for all you do." Do you have any patches uh, or challenge coins? Oh, so yeah, that that's 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 the long game that I'm playing here. Note to FBI agents listening to this. I don't actually know how to build a hydrogen bomb. Statistically, uh, we've, we've got to, to have. Do it. I, I could I, barely I, refine some uranium hexafluoride. You just spin I, it really I, fast, dude. I, I, I think about this in the context of particularly Kill James Bond. We, we're at a point with an audience large enough. Statistically, we've got to have at least one listener who works for the FBI and is like listening I, to us recreationally, I should add. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have posed this question a number of times to friends, which is how many people away are we from being able to get a Ukrainian loose nuke? 
Three or four. Oh my god! Dude, I, I think, every I sentence like... you say is another black suburban parked outside your house. I don't want to go to federal prison again, dude. <laughs> it just imagine, imagine like, the sort of time novel length uh, dossier that MI Five has on me, and it's just none of it amounts to anything. It's just oh, so she she fucking says some shit on the internet, huh? But every time you open your mouth, another fucking folio goes into that thing. <laughs> what we could we're, do we're, is... We're, we're doing a jobs program for, like, domestic we, counterintelligence. We could, we could probably build a nuke, right? Like... <laughs> Fuck running. Do you do you think do you think a washing machine spins fast enough to enrich uranium? Like, do you think we can overclock yeah, yeah. the Israeli Air machine? Force does a surgical strike on Justin's washing machine? Not me. I'm Jewish. Not me. I'm Jewish. They'll, they'll just plausible deniability. I'll just be the Israeli embassy or consulate in Philadelphia, and I'll just store my nukes in Roz's apartment so I don't get yelled at. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, uh, uh no. please, please do not uh, do you still have raid that FBI any of us. Open up, uh, drop. Yeah, yeah. Of course I do. Um, okay. the, the, luckily, I it's it's not going to be the drop. This is just going to be like flatly what happens to Justin. FBI, open up. <laughs> Another Horrific. message to the FBI uh, agents <laughs> listening to this. Hello. I'm not actually going to build a nuke in my basement. I'm it's gonna not build even a nuke my basement. basement. It's my it's... landlord's basement. <laughs> yeah, you have to get like written permission to to enrich uranium in there. Yes. Uh, I. You know what's funny though? Uh, I li I could probably get us a Ukrainian loose nuke with enough badgering if I really wanted to. I, uh, I don't I was, want a, I was, a Ukrainian loose nuke. A Ukrainian use <laughs> nuke. I, yeah. I figured it would be like someone who was like one person removed from one of Alice's patch guys. Oh yeah, that's true. If I, I bet my patch guy has like a nuclear weapons guy, but I don't ask because you know that, that's I'm that's only here the, for the patches, right? Yeah, yes, exactly. The, that's the kind of unspoken rule of the patch guys. Sergio, I love you. I'm never going to ask about the the nuclear weapons. You know that that makes sense. I mean, the thing about owning a nuclear weapon is a lot like winning the lottery. You sometimes what? have a lot more problems than you thought it would. Solve problems, yeah, you know? like radiation poisoning, Roz. No, no, you store that shit properly, you're fine. Okay, so I I just want to point out that Roz, the first time I built you a computer, you dropped the CPU and bent the pins, and you expect me you expect me to trust you to handle like fissile material. It it'll be fine. It was fine. fine. We had to unbend it with a mechanical pencil. Oh, exactly. Oh, God. <sighs> I wonder well, how much of this I can leave in. All of it. <laughs> about, about two minutes. Actually, it would be funny if you cut it and just, like, left it in but as one giant beep. Oh, that is funny. Oh, there are people but, who would be mad at us about it, but... Yes. Just, just instead of a beep, do some, like, elevator music. I just, just want to like, point out that when you edit your patron from $3 to $2, I can see you do that. Yes, and we may, may or may not own a Ukrainian loose nuke. <laughs> Plausible deniability, except when we're doing it. Maintain a policy of nuclear ambiguity on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. We, wow. we, we, we may or may not own nuclear weapons. Yeah, but at least we never assisted apartheid South Africa. Good for us. Yeah, exactly. Well, we have a neutron bomb.
We could we get a neutron we got, bomb. We got an Israeli neutron bomb. We don't, we don't have an Israeli. We should move on. All right. We, Let's talk we about a boat. All right. Talk about a boat. Liam is okay. confirmed. We have a South African neutron bomb. What is bomb. ocean liner? Discussed extensively in our Titanic episode. A ship whose primary purpose is to carry passengers across an ocean on a regular schedule. A Thank few steamships existed by the 1830s, but the first purpose-built liner was probably SS Great Western. Designed by the top hat guy. God damn it, dude. Yeah, our boy is in Bar Kingdom. It was, it was a yes. paddle steamer with sails. All right, go. Okay. Yeah. So, ocean liners, like, uh, what were they for? They were for lining the ocean. They're for, um, they're for, bringing, they're for bringing immigrants to America. Uh, yes. And you, you bringing... take your guy out of Sicily and you put him on Ellis Island, uh, and, and then, you know, uh, he just, just uh, stuff happens. It's fine. Um, yeah, the voyage across the Atlantic was pretty arduous for a long time. Um, it, was, it was just generally unpleasant. It still and is if you're bad at flying, it, to be fair. It, it, but this is true. I, I, I don't like crossing the Atlantic. It's one of my least favorite things to do. Um, yeah, yeah, you just plane, open nothing just like, for yeah. hours. And like, yeah. Mm. Yeah, you can't look out the window. The movies on a plane suck. Um, what else? Hey, one thing that. though, if you if you if you queue up the little like map thing on a transatlantic flight, sometimes it has the position of shipwrecks on there, including Ooh. this one that I've I've yes. genuinely seen in the course of looking for maps for this uh, a thing that pinpoints its position on the like back seat screen of a plane. Nice, neat. Um, so uh, there, there weren't there weren't really any ocean liners until uh, like the eighteen thirties, eighteen forties, when they start to emerge, right? Um, you needed like two major developments, uh, three major developments. Uh, you need steam engines, mm -hmm. right? You need screw propellers, and then you need condensers. Um, the condenser is the big one here because it made the steam engine much easier to maintain. Because rather than running seawater through it, which meant there was just salty scale all over everywhere. You could just continue to recirculate the same fresh water through. Wait, they right? didn't run. They ran them on seawater for a while. Yeah, that's that's it was like that's like the first like first ten twenty years, um, and there were not a lot that ran like that because it was it, it was just not very good. Well, it was. Well, I assume it would destroy the propeller pretty quickly. Uh no, the propellers in salt water all the time. Oh no, what am I thinking of? Um, I guess the, the rest boiler. of it. The, the boiler, boiler, yeah. Yeah, you know, you got a whole bunch of like nasty in there that you don't want to deal and with. And like, right? you got to you got to have a very sort of pressure resilient boiler. And if you do, if you're just corroding the shit out of that with salt, then right, right, yeah. that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, your big, your big, uh, your big like high power ocean liner style steam boiler is pretty temperamental about water quality. So you can't just run seawater in there unless there's like a serious uh, problem. You know, you just ran out of water entirely, and uh, you got you gotta, you know, gun it. <laughs> yeah, your sort of like war emergency power thing, but for a steamship. Yeah. Um, also, iron hulls helped a whole lot. You get to do this once, kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, by the 1840s, some of our you know familiar names start to form stuff like Cunard Lines or the Peninsular and Oriental Steam Navigation Company. That's P and O. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite entries in the Do You Know What This Long Since Atrophied Acronym Originally Stood For, along with the uh, Hong Kong and Shanghai Banking Corporation, or HSBC. Ah, yes. 
um, you had the French line at this point, um, you know, but, uh, running ocean liners, it was not necessarily a super reliable business. You know, it was not, you, you, you ran a regular schedule. You had posted departure times, but not posted arrival times. Right. Cause you get there when you get there, you get there when you get there. Yeah. And it takes <laughs> what, like there. two weeks, one week. Um, I want to say in the in the real early days, it's probably two weeks. I I I am not. I I have. Honestly, I I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't mind is the thing. If if ships yeah. if like uh in particular if coal burning ships weren't so fucking dirty, I would not mind spending no, two weeks or a week either. on a ship to yeah. get to New York. You know, it it sounds like a nicer way. We're to bringing travel. back rigid airships. Yeah, no, well, like I, here's, here's I the thing. My, like that. my my yeah. main thing, my main thing about uh, traveling is two things. Thing one, I don't want to die screaming, or ideally right. at all. Um, thing two, I don't really want to go through a big transsexual detector that then goes off and makes a guy grope me. Planes, right. planes definitely have two, and if not the statistical, then the because I do a disaster podcast, the emotional threat of one. Um, I would quite like to do neither of those and just be on the nice fucking promenade deck for a while. Well, yes, I mean, it would be nice to be able to take an ocean liner, especially since, you know, all the things you listed. Actually, uh, I have looked at uh, rooms on uh, the Queen Mary too, and surprisingly oh, yeah. affordable. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not bad. The only downside is that uh, you, you get put in sort of like what is a very, very small, essentially windowless hotel room. Yes. Um, I mean, but your other it's option, fine. Your other option is, you know, you take a, you know, you just, you just book a economy seat on United. They throw you in a triple seven, which is the perfect airplane. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I, nip, nip. The thing is, right, that mm -hmm. doing this podcast has made me, it's given me a fear of flying. I've ne I never <laughs> had one, but you fuckers have accidentally made me afraid to get oh, onto sucks, an aeroplane. Right? Yeah, no, it's There's no, been flying basically, is, is the worst. Yeah, flying is terrible. It's like unpleasant. It's not unsafe. I mean, the 777 is, uh, there have been like, it's had no accidents other than wow. like stuff that was caused by like terrorism or. Mm. MH370, which we still don't know what that was. Terrorism. Uh, <laughs> yeah, essentially. A new sort of like vertical for this stuff. Pilot gets weird with it, which has a <laughs> sort of, sort of a, a spectrum that starts with that and ends with uh, Andreas Lubitz. Yes. Um, anyway, the general trend for a while with ocean liners, which are not airplanes, is you make them bigger, you make them faster, mm. right? Uh, safety was kind of a secondary concern. It was kind of like, well, you know, if she goes down, she goes if down. If it sinks, it sinks, right. What you gonna do? And that was, that was, uh, sort of a secondary concern until, of course, Titanic smashed itself into an iceberg, uh, cause they were speeding, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, that, that, this is, uh, after that, you know, you start to have more concerns about safety, but it's still like, okay, make it bigger, make it faster, make it bigger, make it faster, right? And by the 1930s, planes start becoming a serious threat, but planes are still not a great way to cross the Atlantic at this point because of all the refueling. Right? Yeah. Your Plus range, the capacity, you, you, yeah. you can fit, like, even a, a huge flying boat, you can fit, what, a couple of dozen people in right. weaker seats. That's because uh, they gave them dignity back then. 
<laughs> yeah, we can, oh. we can we can squeeze a lot more yeah, people in here. Yeah, we that out. The, don't you worry. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. other thing, the other thing about taking a plane, particularly over an ocean in the thirties or, or or earlier, is you would die. Um, it, this is not a Alice is afraid of flying kind of thing. This is a there is a decent chance you just disappear into a cloud bank and are never right, seen again. You're just eating it. You're going full on flight nineteen. You're yes. going upside down into the ocean. You're you're uh, you're, you're going to get shot down by Amy McGrath. so yeah we're making the ships bigger making them faster here's uh this is an ocean liner from 1897 this is the ss kaiser wilhelm del grasse oh boy close enough yeah german i don't speak german um (laughs) but uh it's uh, it's 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 german for king william the great mm. oh is he yeah apparently Mm. okay just checking yeah, it's uh, funny no. how they won the war. Oh. <laughs> Back-to-back the, World War champs, baby. By the 1950s, we're, we're at the peak of ocean liner design. Um, this, this, is, this is the top-tier ocean liners, right? Uh, hmm. Planes were still not better than ocean liners at this point because you were still, you know, you have, you have these, like, I don't know, a Lockheed Constellation and it's, like, stopping over to refuel in like stopping gander yeah. yeah yeah we've been yeah, there gander yeah i've been to gander ganders we went to a, we went to a, a jungle gyms a, bud yeah jungle gyms in gander shout out to mm-hmm. jungle gyms in gander newfoundland <laughs> I, feel, I feel bad for all of these little places like you know gander or keflavik or shannon that really like they had their their, their time as sort they're, of they're, points they're of refueling yeah and now yeah. Mm. so yeah, so your 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 air travel it's expensive. It's still pretty slow, right? The planes are small. You're stopping many times to refuel. And ocean liners were still competitive into like the late 50s, right? You have hmm. major technological advances that kept these ships competitive with airplanes, right? So this is I would say this is the peak ocean liner right here. This is the SS United States. Looks uh, in launched, great condition. Uh, it's I mean I mean, looks better here in, than it does right now. <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks better it looks better afloat than it does sunk, which is what mm-hmm. happened to its uh, uh, all its colleagues. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So uh, this is the SS United States. It's uh, moored right now near the South Philly IKEA. Um, this was launched in 1952. Um, it had an aluminum superstructure for weight reduction. Um, it had. Steam turbines generating 240,000 horsepower. Its cruising speed was 35 knots. That's about 40 miles an hour. Oof. Um, it had 10,000 <laughs> miles of range. <laughs> this was a serious, this was a serious ship. It still, it still holds the blue ribbon for, um, well, it still holds the blue ribbon outright because the only ships that have made it across the Atlantic quicker have only done it one way. Uh, <laughs> And this was running like regular mm-hmm. passenger service. Yes. Nice. Um, there's also a, a lot of aspects of his design that were classified, which is interesting. Ooh, interesting. They, weren't, they weren't declassified until like the 80s. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of like shipbuilding expertise that would have gone into military applications that got into these. Like, because a surprising number of these were like European ships that they started building pretty soon after the end of the war. Like, the Germans were in on this, as we'll see, the Italians were in on this. We yes. have all of these shipyards that are meant to be cranking out destroyers and cruisers. 
uh, that that now kind of have nothing to do and like okay fuck it we'll do we'll do like a liner then. Yeah, and, and, and at this point, ocean lining, you know, it's serious business. But these liners, they're large, they're fast, they're luxurious for some people, um, and <laughs> they're very safe. They're much safer than like your 1912 ocean liner, right? You know, the lessons right, they, that were they learned, learned from the mass casualty event, which has only ever happened, I think, once on this show in 115 yes. episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they learned lessons, and they, generally speaking, did not unlearn them. Um, now. We have to talk about one particular uh, ocean liner company, which was the Italian line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Italian line, of course, went from Italy to New York. Um, and during World War II, the Italian line got hit pretty hard on account of they were the bad guys. Normally, I would be shot for being Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so their old flagship, which was the SS Rex, which was a blue ribbon holder, and I, oh, I don't think damn. I explained this older. Uh, uh, er, I don't think I explained this earlier, but the uh, the blue ribbon was uh, the award for the fastest transatlantic crossing. You had to go both ways, though. Um, mm. So this was this was a blue ribbon holder, and it was blown up by the RAF. And it sucks it rolled, to suck. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it rolled over in shallow water in a very embarrassing manner. And then we it got fire really for good four days. At, like kind of flying around the Mediterranean, knocking over Italian ships. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. This was this was uh well it wasn't a complete total loss. We'll get into that in the next slide. Uh most of the Italian line's other ships were also blown up or sunk or otherwise rendered inoperable, which is a big problem if you want to run a regular schedule. You gotta order some new ships, right? Hmm. Uh, now you can note here these are these are some, I believe, American B-17s right here, um, that, that which are tail, trying, they're trying to blow up the ship, but they didn't do it. The RAF did it later. Um, nice. <laughs> so um, anyway, here it is, rolled over and on fire. Um, and they, uh, oh, oh, taking the L. <laughs> yeah, it's gone poorly. That's gone poorly. That's right. Well, it's not supposed to look like that. <laughs> Probably, probably Sh- shouldn't, shouldn't uh, have been fascists. You know, probably you shouldn't from have me. been fascists. You could have avoided this entirely. Yeah, you can still have your boat. I'm nuts. Yeah. So, um, the Italian line's first strategy here was they they wanted to they were going to try and refloat the boat and then salvage it. Right. It's very it's very funny to me how like plausible that often is that a boat is just like it's a big fucking metal shell that like keeps the water out and retains buoyancy and a lot of the time you like we this happened with a lot of battleships that we sunk for instance if we're talking about italians where they sink in shallow water you just fucking lift them back up again you did it after pearl harbor too yeah Um, you just throw a throw a big pump in there you're good yeah Yeah. Uh, real big real big though so this was probably this was actually probably salvageable right but they they had parked it on a, a very tiny stretch of land, which is the coastline of Slovenia, near a oh. town to called Koper, right? And <laughs> Koper? Koper. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, not. It's, so, it's we're down not... the coast from Seethe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the Slovenians, who were now Yugoslavs, right, they were just like, ah, fuck you, and they scrapped oh, it. Scrapped it. <laughs> oh, good. It was, said I, to be, I, it was I, said to be the largest iron mine in Slovenia for several decades. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 have, I have some information for you about the previous slide, because I was curious about those B-17s. 
This is this is not wartime. This is pre-war. This is an exercise really? that the U.S. Army Air Corps did with the SS Rex to try and locate it at sea with bombers. Wow. Uh, to see to see if they could like independently intercept a ship. Uh, it's it's apparently I'm reading here a large part of the reason why the Air Force is a separate branch now. Ah, interesting. I guess that would make sense why people are taking pictures. Yeah. Also, it's hmm. not it's not catastrophically on fire yet. Yeah, largely yeah. fitted out in a passenger configuration as well. As a friendly encounter, as opposed to the later unfriendly encounter, <laughs> uh, which, which uh, if we'll go back. Uh, uh, sees the Italians taking just this massive L. Uh, <laughs> suck that shit, Umberto. Yeah, so, so the Italian line is without most of their ships, so they gotta Good. start commissioning new ships. Uh-oh. Right? Yeah. Um, which leads us to the, the, the new modern uh, ocean liner of the 20th century. The Andrea Doria. It's got nice right. curves. It's got nice lines. Very elegant. Yeah. It, it's a very good looking ship. I, I, um, yeah, I like it. I like the front a lot, and the back is just like I'm a boat. Yeah, <laughs> the front looks all like kind of swept yeah. and beautiful, so and, like, yeah. and the back is just like I'm a boat. Same. It, yeah, you can, can buy me a boat. <laughs> That's a great a fucking truck. truck bullet. Bullet. <laughs> you can buy me a Yeti 110 ice down with some silver bullets. Buy me a boat, Chris Jansen. Right. Look it up. Yeah, we're, we're going to get a copyright strike. Anyway, I, I don't think. <laughs> thank I you for the compliment. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, Andrea Doria was this admiral from Genoa back in the 16th century. And a whole were bunch they invented of jeans? Um, That's where the yes. name jeans comes from. They weren't invented in Genoa. I know. You Shut s- up. You said that in the last episode. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's so far. It's not even Italian month. It's Genoese it's month. Ge- Genoese month. Yes. So uh, lots of Italian boats have been named after Andrea Doria. I don't know very much about him. I was going to yeah, research they had a that. Battleship to. Which I so think they, we might have sunk. In fact, uh, that sounds about right. We, the three of us, not the RAF. Yeah, or the, yeah. yeah. Of course, with our, just the with three our of hydrogen us. bomb. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the Italian line, they needed a new flagship for the exciting new world of the 1950s, and they tried to do everything right. They contract Giovanni Ansaldo and Company of Genoa uh, to build the thing, right? No, this um, is like a matter of national prestige. Yes. Um, and Ansaldo, Ansaldo is, um, they mostly did trains, but at this point they had a shipyard. Um, so, uh, okay, this is, this is a modern ship. It had a double hull. It had enough lifeboats for everyone. It had 11 watertight compartments. It was thoroughly modern, right? The interior was designed by, uh, an architect named Giulio Minaletti. Also did a, also did a famous Italian train called the ETR 300 Setabello. Uh, which I'll show a picture of later, but he's a sort of high modernist guy. He's uh, he is one of the. Um, it's in that era where modernism is developing rapidly. It's it's mm. all it's it's sort of uh, th- this is the era of the high modernists, right? Nice. Um, we'll show some pictures in a second. Um, so, two hundred eighteen first class uh, passengers, three hundred twenty in cabin class, which is I guess second class. 703 passengers in tourist class. They could hold a total of 1,241 passengers. This is a 
for all the modernist accoutrement, it was a very traditional design. All of the classes were completely segregated from each other, right? You know, that meant it had three of everything, and three lounges, three dining rooms, three outdoor swimming pools, which was a first. Hmm. Um, no ship. Where's no the robot bartender? Where are the robot bartenders? I'll do right, a rock so I love how that's the thing you remember as the robot bartender. It's got a, it's got like a old Italian robot bartender. It's, it like runs on. It's it 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 breaks down on the first day, and then, and then they spend the rest of the voyage fixing it, and it it works for like thirty minutes, like right before you pull into New yeah. York Harbor. Pa pa pours you a single glass of Luxardo, and then explodes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I got some, I got some illust contemporary illustrations at the time. I mean, this is an All advertisement right, for the- Ooh, that's the, elegant. The, yeah, it's really nice. You want to- La you wanna, più grande moderna veloce nave italiana. Yes. The, 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 the greatest modern, uh, fucking fast ship of Italy. Interesting. Look how fast it is. Yeah, you can. You really get a sensation Whoosh. of speed. Whoosh. Zoom. <laughs> um, this is the first class uh, foyer. I think this is access to most of the first class areas. Maybe there's an elevator Man, here. They really weren't sure. kidding about that modernism. The, the yeah. lights and even just sort of like the chairs. Yeah, that's this is this is a very heavily designed ship. Here. Mm -hmm. Nothing. It's nothing a, has just been thrown on here. It's been like thought about. It's Italian. Yeah, <laughs> here's here's the first class swimming pool. Uh, you see how this some fucking your... return ass colorization though. I know, right? Here's uh, this is a first class cabin here. You see, have a uh, they've tried to conceal the old fashioned porthole behind this wood panel that you can slide back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> I ki I kind of like that actually. If you yeah. if you don't want to be on the ship, you just close the thing and pretend you're not. You know, if you've ever been on a, if you ever been on a, a ship that's even slightly contemporary to this, this is much nicer than than what you get. Um, <laughs> oh, it's it's really nice. Yeah, I was uh, I was once on a, I was on a ship for the uh, the Hurtigarden line in Excuse uh, Norway. Me? Um, it was the MS. Also, I think we I think we may have lost Liam. Did I'm not hearing Liam, Liam feedback. You you did not you did not lose Liam. Liam is eating and muted himself to not okay, be perfect. Polite. Perfect. No worries. Yeah, I see. I I ate a burger and a sausage, and uh, let me walk you through it. I have a pretzel bun. Um, got a nice uh, chuck patty. Got some uh, American cheese, some nice pickles, mayonnaise, ketchup, and I had a hot Italian sausage on a hot dog bun with uh, some nice spicy mustard. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go back to finishing Ooh. this bitch, and you two talk amongst yourselves. You I'm, I'm probably gonna do like lamb burgers later. Well, I say uh, I, I'm, I'm not cooking shit. That was like that's a a Sunray Minor thing, you know. Uh, I was once on a Norwegian ship, the MS Nordstjernen. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're on the Nordstjernen with the Hugenbergen line. Yes, which is about about uh, about ten years newer than this one. And uh, let me tell you, those cabins, uh, Spartan. Mm. <laughs> not, not a, not a. Not that's a just Nordic ticket. restraint and design, well, you know. This is true. Well, we'll get this to that like, later in this episode. This is sort of like a uh, Meridian Italian excess, right? <laughs> yes, they made it too nice. 
That was their downfall. <laughs> yeah, the hubris. Here's the first class uh, lounge and bar. Ooh, um, yeah, that's, that's really nice. That's some madman shit right there. That's that's. <laughs> I'm gonna have a fucking secret meeting about some um, stay behind networks in this look, thing. Look at the espresso machine too. Oh my yeah. god, I, I didn't- espresso machines were like, brand new, too. Mm -hmm. Like, just invented. Yeah, uh, probably didn't pull very good shots, huh? <laughs> no, atrocious, yeah. J James Hoffman is on the Andrea Doria, he's doing the little, mm -hmm. like, coffee sips, and he's like, very dissatisfied. Yeah, he's um, like, uh, I, get, get, give me a hand pull machine, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> The the, the uh, original espresso machine. It's just the the robot bartender hastily bandaged up using like a cafetiere. Yes, uh, this is uh, this is another first class. This is the first class lounge as a whole. See again, this looks so good. This is a hundred percent like because this is just barely post-fascist aesthetics, right? This yes. is all of the same guys who had come through the war. D designing fucking Mussolini's EUR and shit, and now they, they, they finally get to like put more than one curve in stuff, and they've just kind of gone overboard with it, so I, to speak. I, I will say that it, it does feel like there's a strong disconnect between like Italian futurism and Italian modernist aesthetics. Mm. Um, you know, there was there, something, something snapped. Uh, it, it, it got very different very quickly. Um, the, the the futurist cruise ship is a very different vibe. That's you, yeah. You know the, the the espresso machine pulls you a shot full of nails. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just actually, the robot bartender is kind of more of a futurist invention. I would yeah. say this is true. This is true, especially if it murders you. <laughs> <laughs> for 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 more discussion about futurism, uh, listen to our bonus episode about Nazi super weapons. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely do. Yes. Uh, um, fascism, it's a, it's a sort of dialectic between revolutionary futurism on the one hand and uh, sort of sentimentality and kitsch on the other. Uh, I mentioned uh, Giulio Minaletti was the, the architect of design. Nazi futures, Nazis can suck shit. Back to back <laughs> World War champs. <laughs> Just going bursting to... In, bursting in guns drawn... <laughs> Pants around my ankles, <laughs> mayonnaise, mayonnaise, and ketchup on my, on my, uh, in my beard. Yeah, you, 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 you are about to like shit that or that burger back out on Marinetti's grave. I feel. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now listen, when the robot bartender finds out you were a partisan in the forties, things are not going to go well for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, just sort of like throwing my drink over the mm. robot bartender, and as it's dying, it just starts singing Giovanetta. <laughs> So, uh, we mentioned architect Giulio Minaletti. I said, uh, I, I mentioned the set of Bello. I gotta bring a train in here. Um, this was another one he, he designed. Um, oh, that's really nice. They just restored one of these. Um, you can go to Italy and take a ride on it. You can sit in the, the, the cabin in the front with the Italian restaurant drapes. Uh, oh. and, uh, yeah. Uh, see, see, that's fantastic. Even if I do like think that it accidentally provides an example of what I was talking about, in that having Italian restaurant curtains at like a hundred miles an hour is in itself like the marriage of futurism and 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 kitsch. 
I love this thing. It looks They're like fucking. Very... It looks like Thunderbird Two. I would say they were good for like 120 or 130. They were they were designed for the Directissimo, uh, which was the line from I want to say Rome to words. Florence. Yeah. I'm not sure if Italian... it's Florence. Uh, the, the Directissimo the... was a sort of a prototype for high speed rail in Europe. Um, I think it was. I I I think now that Italy is perhaps the most country in Europe. Um, <laughs> they got good, good words for everything. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, go to Italy and ride the Cetabello ETR 300. Um, mm. Because you can. Um, <laughs> anyway, back to the boat. <laughs> so, yeah, go, 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 to, go to Italy, ride the Cetabello, and the proceeds of you doing so go to ensuring that the only commercial you hear on this podcast is this one. Yay. <laughs> Um, so Andrea Doria had a big problem, right? Mm. Despite all yeah. this fantastic design. Yeah, I had a problem. Like, Despite the fact that it was built by Italians, it was built by Italians. It was unfortunately <laughs> built by Italians. <laughs> it's like, it, it's like that so joke about, you know, in, in, in heaven, the, you know, the waiters are French or whatever. This thing uh, has advantages and disadvantages. Advantages, designed by Italians. Disadvantages, built by Italians. Yes. So, it had some seaworthiness issues, right? Um, I want to say it was a little bit top-heavy, right? And it had a tendency to list a lot. Mm. Anything that hit the ship on the side, like a big wave, would cause it to, you know, just rock back and forth pretty wildly. Uh, It was accentuated when the ship was low on fuel, such as maybe at the end of a trip. Yeah, because it has the fuel tanks lined down either side. Yes, um, and on her maiden voyage from Genoa to New York, she had bad weather just out of New York Harbor, listed a full 28 degrees. Ooh, yes. here, here is the angle up here. That's 28 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, your modern cruise ship is not supposed to list more than, like, Three or four degrees, right? Otherwise, everyone shits themselves. It's um, uh, it, it's definitely not something that would be within a modern design envelope, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and this, it, even back then, it was designed to be able to withstand a list of twenty degrees. After which, if the ship were compromised somehow, the water would overflow the top of the watertight compartments and start flooding the other watertight compartments, right? Oh, so, no. You know, as long as the ship wasn't compromised, okay, it, it'll hit 28 degrees, everyone's going to be unhappy, uh, some furniture's going to move around, uh, you know, maybe someone falls off, but whatever, the ship is still seaworthy, right? Hmm. Uh, but if it were compromised in some way and it listed that far, you got a real big problem. <laughs> Noted. Yes. So, now we've got to talk about a second we, ship. We've got to talk a about second a ship second ship. A, a, yeah. a, a second ship. So, MS Stockholm. Now, MS is in contrast. Oh, that's not beautiful at all. Oh, the ship of my people. Floating <laughs> IKEA looking ass. Ah, the ship of my people. <laughs> so, MS is in contrast to SS. Uh, SS is steamship. Uh, MS is motor ship, right? 
And MS Stockholm was kind of ill-fated from the beginning, right? So mm. in 1936, the Swedish-American line... Please no. Also known yes. as... Yes. Say it. I gotta, I gotta, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to take a run up, take a run up. (laughs) We need to get Mia Mulder back to pronounce. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think we could ask her to record like a quick audio file of her saying it? (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. You can suck that so, shit, Grandpapa Oz. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Olaf, Grandpapa Olaf. So they had a few old ships, and they wanted some new ones for the burgeoning transatlantic trade uh, in, in the 30s, which confused yeah, me, because sure. I thought that was the Depression. Anyway. Well, because Sweden's, like, by the end of the 30s, Sweden's staying neutral in the war, so... That'll do it. Yeah. Um, Hi, it's Justin. Uh, so this is a commercial for the podcast that you're already listening to. Uh, people are annoyed by these, so let me get to the point. We have this thing called Patreon, right? The deal is, you give us two bucks a month, and we give you an extra episode once a month. Uh, sometimes it's a little inconsistent, but, you know, it's two bucks, you get what you pay for. Um, it also gets you our full back catalog of bonus episodes, so you can learn about exciting topics like guns, pickup trucks, or pickup trucks with guns on them. The money we raise through Patreon goes to making sure that the only ad you hear on this podcast is this one. Anyway, that's something to consider if you have two bucks to spare each month. Uh, join at patreon.com forward slash WTYPpod. Do it if you want. Or don't. It's your decision, and we respect that. Back to the show. So they place an order with Cantieri Reuniti del Adriatico. <laughs> uh, it's a shipyard in Trieste, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, doing great, bud. I don't. I don't know how to pronounce any of these things, and I'm not going to learn. <laughs> <laughs> so they want a new ship called the MS Stockholm 2. Because there was already a Stockholm, but it was yeah, kind of. They just old. invented a Stockholm 2? Yes. So New Stockholm just dropped. New Stockholm just dropped. It was it was I said here in the notes it was not large. It was actually a pretty large ship. I I, I didn't update. Uh anyway, so it's pretty it's a good sized ship. It was very modern, had diesel engines, it had art deco styling, had Latest safety accoutrements, 638 feet long, 80 foot, 83 foot beam. Beam is the width, uh, 38 feet of draught, right? Uh, anyway, so the shipyard finished it, and they launched it in 1938, and it immediately caught fire. The ship of my people! <laughs> and that was a total loss. I just heard of the existence of like Viking funeral ships and was like, I'm gonna do that to me. It's me. It's me. Yes. <laughs> it was around this time that they uh they started painting their ships all white and they were informally referred to as the White Viking Fleet. Mm. Including the ships self immolating. Uh 
So undeterred, Swedish American Alliance ordered a new ship to basically the same design. That was MS Stockholm 3. <laughs> M- MS Stockholm final underscore final. Much like Salt and Pepper 3. Don't ask what happened to 1 and 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so MS Stockholm 3 was completed in 1941, but the problem was there was a war happening, right? So rather than deliver the ship to uh, Swedish American lines, the Italians decided to use it as a troop ship. Uh, the MS Sabuadia. Sabadia? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, and uh, she was blown up and then sunk by the RAF in 1944. Hell yes. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this left the problem with, for Swedish-American lines, right? They needed a new ship. Air travel was proving more popular. And they were like, I don't know if this passenger stuff is going to work out for us, guys. Uh, so they decided yeah, it's, to- it's this or like interchangeable furniture. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, $5 end tables, baby. <laughs> MS Stockholm 4 was laid <laughs> final down <laughs> underscore final <laughs> underscore final was laid down in April 1945 at Gotteverken shipyard in Gothenburg, right? Gothenburg, Jesus. Gothenburg. I don't I don't I don't I'm not Swedish. Gothenburg? <laughs> I don't know. Stop it. It's 525 foot length. 69-foot beam, 25-feet Weak sauce. Yeah, so uh, had two giant eight-cylinder diesel engines that made 12,000 horsepower, cruised at 17 knots. <laughs> Weak shit. It's like 20 <laughs> miles an hour. It was simultaneously the smallest liner on the transatlantic route and the largest ship ever built in Sweden. Oh. <laughs> And this after they've lost like a hundred something feet off of the uh, the the length. Yes. Um, yeah, but they they built it in house, and this one didn't have problems. <laughs> See, this is the problem. You got to stop getting Italians mm-hmm. to build your ships. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, it's going to take its revenge on Italy mm-hmm. for its fallen brothers. <laughs> yes. Here's uh, here, here's the first class lounge. This is mm. from uh, ssmaritime.com, run by a man named. Ruben Goosens. Nice. Uh, I I don't like this as much. This looks boring. It's like it, a, it, like it a, isn't definitely a four star hotel that's kind of aged. Uh, the bar seems to be more fully stocked though. Uh, that is true. This, this is yeah. actually the, this is the tourist class smoking room. Mm. Uh, nice. Um, they had an indoor pool, which is very tiny. <laughs> you fool! She can't let water in here. This is a boat. It's supposed to be outside. This reminds me of that. What was the like the really really big Soviet submarine that had an indoor pool? Oh yeah yeah yeah. It's one of yeah. the like Akulas, I think. Yeah yeah. It's like a, it's about that size. <laughs> <laughs> you can like you can get wet. You can't swim. Sure. <laughs> yeah. A little dip. Go for a little dip. The problem with the Stockholm was that. The transatlantic uh, passenger trade did not fade as quickly as they expected. Um, it was refit in 1953 to carry 548 people. Um, they They're added like, a whole bunch keep of keep doing this shit uh, forever. Shit. Um, they just want to build furniture. They refit. They refit the ship in 1953 to add more passenger cabins. 1955, it had the ignominious honor of. Uh, Deporting the last immigrant from Ellis Island. Huh. 
Because Ellis Terrific. Island, after 1921, was used as a detention center for illegal immigrants uh, when the Emergency Quota Act essentially made immigration illegal. Because yeah, there were too many. Were scared. There were like too many Italians. There's too many Italians and Poles. Mm. <laughs> it's like the food's getting too good around here. Uh, mm. Too much kielbasa. God damn it. <laughs> oh, Prospect's really good kielbasa. That's not, sh that's sh not shut it all euphemism. down. Shut it all down. We're getting, we're getting like pierogies and shit. Yeah, we, got, we got to make the food worse. Yeah. <laughs> we have to preserve our culture by keeping the food bad. <laughs> Can't have good food. Anyway, that, uh, it deported the last immigrant from Ellis Island, who was Arne Pedersen. Maybe just Arne. <laughs> I'm not sure. He was a... Uh, Arne Pedersen. Yes, he, he, he um, overstayed his visa. He was a crewman on a Swedish cargo freighter. Um, oh, come on! Yeah. <laughs> they deported him back to Gothenburg on this ship. Yeah. Gothenburg. Um, but yeah, SAL's uh, Swedish-American lines designed to build a smaller liner was not a good one. They ordered two new and larger liners in the late 50. Those were MS Gripsholm and MS Kungsholm. Which <laughs> don't, were, they just, don't, don't those names just fill you with the spirit of adventure? Yes, which were notably both built by Ansaldo in Genoa, right? Um, they ordered those in the late 50s, right? And they consigned Stockholm to sort of marginal routes and for cruises, right? But that was, that was after the incident, and this is going to sure. become relevant. Oh, no. The right? incident. Oh, boy. Um, Stockholm, the MS Stockholm had a reputation for, you know, it was, it was a rough riding ship in bad weather, but it was very seaworthy. Uh, and owing to her home, per, home port being in Gothenburg, she had a reinforced ice-breaking prow, right? Yeah, just in case you run into any ice. Exactly. Uh, no Titanic gonna, shit gonna happen on my watch. No, no Titanic shit happening to MS Stockholm. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, we have, this, we have the Andrea Dory, right? She's on her 51st crossing. Um, yeah, 50... I tried to find a good map of this route. Could not. Uh, it's, it's just a straight line, more or less. Right. Started in Cannes. Went to Naples, uh, then Gibraltar, and, and, and then to New York, which is way over there. If you imagine, there's a map of Europe here, right? Yeah. And, and we have our captain, mm -hmm. uh, Piero Calamai, who yes. in the notes everywhere, it apart from Calamari. where I have written it, it says Captain Calamari, yes. Yeah, uh, which we will be referring to him. It was just <laughs> easier to write it that way. So, so, so Captain Calamari. <laughs> He's, uh, he's 59 years old, uh, he's of, of, from a naval family, long, long experience in, in the Merchant Marine. He served on 27 different ships before he gets this job. Uh, he's been a naval veteran in like both world wars. Um, and he's kind of sort of like the Italian Merchant Marine's golden boy a little bit. Like After this crossing, he's going to take a vacation, and then he's going to take command of Christopher Columbus, or Cristoforo Colombo, which is the flagship of the Italian Merchant Marine. Uh, right. Sort of like a sister ship to this. Yeah, he, he's, he's, uh, he's good at his job. Yeah, he's a safe pair of hands. Although we're being gonna find a decorated out. veteran of World War II for the bad guys is not yes. good. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, what you, you going to do? <laughs> yeah, well, he, he managed to get through both of them without getting killed by the RAF, so... Nah, yeah, that's true. He, he was the only I one. Suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so uh, we got to talk a little bit about um, the transatlantic uh, sea lanes, uh, especially heading into New York at this point, right? Um, because, you know, you want to take the shortest route possible, right? That means you take a sort of as close as possible to a great circle route. Mm. But you have to avoid sort of uh, navigational hazards, right? Uh, sure. Big, big one is the Nantucket Shoals. I see right? the big markers on the map that say not for navigation and yeah. area to be avoided. An area yeah. to be avoided, yeah. Yeah, um, go Patriots, baby! <laughs> go Pats! <laughs> Six Super Bowls, baby! Yes, the thing, the thing is, if you, if you area go Area to be avoided here, because they will try and deflate your boat. Uh, yeah, hey, so, uh, every, very, listen, every NFL quarterback did that. That is hardly Tom Brady acting alone. <laughs> acting, that's bullshit, and we all know it. Okay, the 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 NFL and Roger Goodell specifically went after Deflate Gate in quotes uh, or Ball Gazi if you prefer, because of the videotaping scandal for which the rest of the NFL believed that he had not been nearly punished enough. Now, so, sorry, keep in mind sorry. that all Ball teams, Ball Gazi, nah, 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 this was... Ball Gazi. yeah, Ball Gazi. That's an old death Ball torture from Wikipedia. No, not the whole thing again. Okay, this area was particularly hazardous to airships. Good. <laughs> Why? Because they kept deflating? Yeah, giant, giant Tom Brady emerges from the sea. <laughs> oh, I have to grip it better. <laughs> the Kraken rises. Water prevents migraines. Ugh, hunger for blood. <laughs> that's that's some of my fa like. You can't be an NFL quarterback without believing at least one like insane piece of weird shit. Take, yeah. Like one insane theory. That's one of my favorite ones. Going. He he believes so much insane shit that he became the greatest quarterback in NFL history. <laughs> <laughs> Never count out touchdown, Tom. Yes. So. Because everyone wants to take this great circle route, which has the least distance and is therefore faster and uses less fuel, they want to get as close to the Nantucket Shoals as possible, but you uh -oh. can't touch them because then you run aground, right? Hmm. Um, and and rich people spit on you, too. This is true. Hmm. Well, there's rich people on the boats, too. Um, yeah, it's just spit going back and forth. Yeah, exactly. The Nantucket Shoals, they extend like, uh, bah, 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 bah. I've wrote it down here. Um, I didn't write it down here. They're like 40 miles south of Nantucket and then like another yeah, it's like going on for east. a while. Yeah. And and this is all like shallows and sandbanks, right? Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the ocean area is as little as 3 feet deep. Yeah. Right. Um and one of the things worth noting too is that uh Bill Russell was the greatest uh person to ever put on an uh, a, uh an NBA jersey. <laughs> this, this is me just settling beef. <laughs> First person to have his jersey retired. Fuck the Lakers. <laughs> so your 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 general rule for navigation here is you want to don't <laughs> all caps <Yeah>. don't <laughs> you want to pass south and east of something called the Nantucket Lightship. Right? Oh, I love a lightship. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pictured cool. here. Um, so you know you you want to come as close as possible to it, but you don't you don't want to go you don't want to go north of it. Don't do that. You're gonna have problems. Mm. Right, um, but of course, everyone wanted to, get, wanted to get as close as possible to us. It was traditionally kind of a hazardous job to man the Nantucket light, light ship. Yeah, because RMS Olympic is gonna eat your lunch and kill you. 
Yes. Uh, 1934, <laughs> RMS Olympic just ran straight into just it. In a took it out. It's yeah, just took it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Kennedy on PT-109, this thing just comes out of the middle of the night, just... Yes. They, I, listen, they hate Tom Brady and they hate success and they're just jealous. <laughs> I say as I'm, as I'm cleaved in two by RMS Olympic. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't even damaged. Olympic wasn't even damaged. LV one 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 seven was uh, it it sank in like five minutes. Brutal. <laughs> uh, I think that hey, like five guys out of the eleven survived though. So that you know it's. I'm surprised Olympic didn't hear them, given that they're all talking about Patriots football. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mac Jones is the real deal, is what I'm saying. At that exact volume. <laughs> He's a good quarterback. <laughs> on the bridge there's like you hear something about Tom Brady <laughs> so of course the uh, the crews and officers of the Andrea Doria and the Stockholm knew about this light ship right yeah. they're not going north of this no one's running the ground today but they do want to get as close as possible to it um uh oh <laughs> in this case I think I put this later in the notes but I'm going to say it now the Stockholm was coming up sort of this way in relation to this map, which doesn't extend that far. Andrea Doria is coming up somewhat this way, right? Uh, the Stockholm is supposed to be about 20 miles south of here. Um, that's the generally agreed upon and established shipping lane. Um, but no one followed that rule. Uh, they got as close as they could and just, you know, went, went past each other. And it's like, I right, well, usually... Usually we have separation of about a mile, right? Um, mm. <laughs> so, um, all right. I already started explaining the problem before I mentioned the date, which is 25th of July, 1956. Oh. Right. So I, as I mentioned, the Andrea Doria is nearing port. Uh, they only got about 12 hours of steaming to go. And the Stockholm had just left New York just before noon that day. just about. 12 hours out of port, right? They're both in the narrow shipping lane below the Nantucket lightship, right? Yeah, and I tried finding a map of these, uh, like, agreed shipping tracks, but you Google North Atlantic Track Agreement, all you get is the air ones. Oh my god. No one cares know, about just boats anymore. History just obliterated by, uh, by air travel, travel yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, a fog rolled in. It was Whoa. night. No one could see anything, but that didn't matter. Both the Andrea Doria and the Stockholm had a radar. And the Andrea Doria 1950s, had... baby, the finest technology designed for like obliterating a medium-sized German city. Yes. Uh, and uh, uh Dresden had it coming. Oh yeah, no, I'm not <laughs> arguing with you. But who gets mad at me? Shut up. <laughs> this is the episode where the most people are gonna get mad at us. That's oh, true. I don't care. I'm not reading the comments chiefly, on this one. Chiefly the FBI. But. Yes. For my hydrogen bomb, which I have. Which he has. <laughs> get him. Get him. I'll pull the drop. It. I've built it during the course of this episode. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you've just been doing that the whole time. Yes. You've just been talking about uh, fucking uh, tracks and... FBI, open up! <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> listen, listen. If if you just hear a shotgun being racked and then your door just explodes, that's uh, yeah. Keep podcasting, you know. 
I, oh, God, you know, it, it, I, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've been I've been killed by your drop. Anyway, so both the Andrea Doria and the Stockholm had a radar. Uh, the Andrea Doria, uh, Captain Calamari, had slowed down to twenty two knots from the usual speed of twenty three knots. It's <laughs> <laughs> like easing off on the accelerator for a little bit. For yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't go so fast, guys. <laughs> And uh, our radar systems, they're very much in the early days, right? Some captains and mates and so on and so forth are very much in the, uh, you know, they, they view this technology in the, the sort of way that, uh, how do I open PDF? Right. Radar's, radar's not at all intuitive is the other thing. Like, in particular radar direction finding, you can get, like, understanding how to plot, like, courses off of echoes on radar is, like, really fucking difficult. Um, this is why you have to train people to use it. And the Stockholm was being piloted by the third mate, Johan Ernst Karstens Johansson. A man who loved a hyphen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, fir first name Johans Ernst, second name Karstens Johansson. Um, he, might, he might not Johan like Johansson, the hyphen. Yes. He might yeah, have just been from a Wisconsin. sign of that name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this this is this is his first time standing watch alone on the bridge. He's also been up since uh, 0600 this morning. Yes. Um, and as I mentioned before, Stockholm was about 20 miles north of where it should have been to save time on the crossing. Uh, and this was illegal, but also very tolerated and expected. Uh, sure. <laughs> this is this is like a don't get caught procedure. doing it sort of deal. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't get caught. <laughs> Um, and, 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 and so what happened here was actually never fully determined, but several factors were in play, right? Um, the Andrea Doria, as we mentioned, not very seaworthy when it was low on fuel, it tended to list a lot, right? Uh, but also if you pump in more, you know, what you were supposed to do as the fuel ran out, you pumped seawater into the fuel tanks, um, to continue to ballast the ship, right? But that sure. made refueling more expensive. So the informal procedure was, hey, just don't do that. Right? Sure. <laughs> Makes the ship more unstable, but it's fine. It's probably it. fine. What's going to happen? Um, going to eat it? Yeah. Both gonna of these ships probably should have been traveling more slowly owing to the fog. Um, the Stockholm's captain should have been on deck owing to the fog. But there are disputes over the extent of the fog that night. Uh, Karstens Johansson maintained that it was a pretty clear night, while uh, Captain Calamari said it was pretty thick fog. Right? I I am pretty certain that Karstens Johansson is lying here. That, yeah. that I, I did see some evidence to the extent, uh, like that, some of the the, the charts. Uh, that the Stockholm was using had been falsified after the fact to change Jesus its position. Jesus Christ! That sounds about right to me. That's hey, terrific. And oh, that, don't do that. I'm, I'm on the Andrea Doria side. Um, I'm just gonna. Oh yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that now. I. I think Captain Calamari was. <laughs> it's it's Italian, right? You know, we have to it be partisan about month, this, yeah. so to speak. So. As these two ships are approaching each other, right, Karstens Johansson followed orders from his captain not to pass within one mile of any ship, right? And he saw the Andrea Doria on the radar, and he turned to port, which is not standard procedure. 
and calamari turned starboard, as was the standard procedure. And neither of the two were talking to each other on the radio. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a little, a little plot here of the courses. Uh, this is from an, an analysis from a guy called Carl Nordling, uh, who suggests that Carsten Johansson, he's expecting to, to see ships on essentially the wrong side because of the light ship. Uh, right. And like essentially what he does is he like in a more mathematical sense, he looks at his radar and he mixes up his left and his right. Um <laughs> they, Who's like, amongst us. Yeah, he, he he adds when he should be subtracting or something like that. Um uh, and so he he turns into the path of the Andrea Doria. Um at this point, and this is why we kind of why I suspect there is quite heavy fog, they see each other at the last second. Stockholm tries to stop, Andrea Doria tries to outrun the collision. So, you know, you go flank speed or whatever, and you just try and like get out of the way of it. And uh this does not work. I think I think one thing to note here is that Stockholm is both much slower and much smaller than the Andrea Doria. Uh. Yes, yeah. It, it, it's kind of like it, throwing yourself in the way of this thing. Mm -hmm. uh, here we go. Yes. So they, they wreck into each other. Yeah. Yes. Boat <laughs> fall down, down. Mr. Yeah. Bond. Uh, so remember that ice breaking prow that we talked about? Yes. Well, that just runs straight into, as you can see here, a, B, C, foyer, and upper deck, so five passenger decks, um, and it just it's like a knife through butter. Um, right, yes. All of the casualties are people getting crushed in their cabins, the cabins just don't exist anymore. And it's sort of more or less at random based on sort of the relative position Where of the you're standing, apparently yeah. is, oh Jesus, this, this guy's wife is getting turned into a chunky marinara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, this is a, a guy, a Colonel Carlin, I think his name is. He steps into the bathroom to brush his teeth. Uh, the Stockholm rams into the Andrea Doria, mulches his wife, who is in bed, and he's just fine. Uh, no thanks. He just doesn't have a scratch on him. Um, I, I, one woman gets like crushed between two sets of walls and takes a while to die, but by and large, people just don't know anything about it. They're there's asleep. One, there, there's like one, three uh, in the morning. There's one, I want to say, 14-year-old girl who uh, winds up the, the bottom half of her cabin gets crushed, and she winds yeah. up just falling onto the deck of the Stockholm. Yeah, yeah, uh, and like th this hits well, into lived, the right, like, and it was okay, right? Oh, she 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 had a broken arm, but her sister, who was sharing the other half of the cabin, was uh, turned into uh, pasta sauce. Yeah, uh, this also this also hits a lot of the cheaper cabins and in, in tourist class, um, which are very. You have lots of like immigrant families who are packed closer together and uh, just get obliterated. I think there's one cabin that has like eleven people and a priest in it, and is just uh -huh. just gone. Um, this this kills something like forty three people outright. Just absolutely um, obliterated. Yeah. yeah. Now, in 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 sort of in structural terms, what you've actually done to the Andrea Doria here, you've only punctured one watertight compartment. It has eleven. Um, but what you've also done is you've punctured that whole line of empty fuel tanks, which yes. now flood very, very quickly. Um, and the list happens. Uh, the list that we all know and love, 
which does exactly what it's what it's not supposed to do. It drags the uh, the ship over to the point where the tops of the watertight compartments are under the waterline, and the, the ship like floods end to end. Um, there's also no watertight door separating the generator room from the rest of the deck, so the electricity oh, goes boy. out pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so, what 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 do you do about this? Um, and the answer Eric. is, well, panic is one thing, but also you want to flood the um, uh, the fuel tanks on the opposite side to try and like ballast them so it like balances out a bit more. But it's all it, it's happened so quickly that already that side is so far out of the water that the intakes for those tanks are just like hanging out in the air. Uh, and at that point, the ship's doomed, like irrevocably. It's it's yeah. gonna sink. You got an issue here, which is very hard to resolve. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Uh, and we can see how the Stockholm came out of it. Looks jacked up. It looks really bad. It looks a lot worse than the Andrea Doria did after the impact, Jesus. honestly. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's fine. Um, it, it, it's like one compartment floods, it comes down by the bow, a few inches, but they're able to like compensate and ballast for that. But it's it's fine. It's it's seaworthy. Naval ramming is still a viable tactic. Who knew? Yeah, you can just you can just you can just hit stuff. I mean, I think it killed like th four crew people on the Stockholm though. Yeah, uh, but you don't really uh, have yeah. like cabins up front like yeah, that. Yeah. So I have no face, and I must float. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, incidentally, the Stockholm and the Andrea Doria only find out who each other are when they hear each other's distress calls. Help. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, asshole, where's the other 30% of my boat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of the Italian guys are like getting out in a little boat and waving their arms oh, around. Man, very, very mad. What if I... <laughs> you ruined my spaghetti. My brother, Danilo, he's been turned into spaghetti. <laughs> I'm getting cancelled. Normally, normally I would be crushed for being Italian. What if a Swede rammed an Italian man? <laughs> uh, we should take you to a club in uh, in Stockholm. You can see it for yourself. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. There's some videos about that. I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> next, here we go. Yes. Okay. So they know they have to abandon ship, but the captain doesn't want to go abandon ship and have everyone panic and you know run around breaking each other's legs, tripping over shit. So he has everyone muster and they try to figure out how the fuck are we going to get this evacuation done when we've only got half the lifeboats, because the other half are stuck in the air at the top of a sort of 20 degree angle of steel. Yes. Uh, that you can't like drop them down that. I, um, I hate to interrupt, but I have one more joke about a, a Swede ramming an Italian, which shoot. is, oh, you're stimulating my Schengen area. Okay, continue. <laughs> yeah, my Eurozone. Uh, oh so my god. The initial plan is, you take those, those lifeboats on the starboard side, the ones that are lower down, and you lower them to the promenade deck, break all the windows, and everyone can just like step in. This doesn't work. Oh. In in fact, what they end up doing is lowering the the lifeboats all the way into the water, and then trying to lower the passengers down into them using like, ropes oh, and ladders. Oh, don't like that. Don't no yeah. no no. Uh, this this kills. Am, right? Yeah yeah. This, and it's still foggy as shit. This also kills three more people. Uh. A woman has a heart attack, a kid gets dropped headfirst into a lifeboat. Oh, Jesus. Uh, and a, a woman falls into one and breaks her spine. Uh, thus, thus arriving at our final death toll of 46. Um, even, even in this sort of initial evacuation, they only get like 
200 people off and most of them are the crew. Ooh, um, another aspect of the sinking is it takes a very long time. I mean, much longer even than the Titanic, which took a very long time. Right. Longer, longer than you'd imagine the sort of like design spec would allow for, considering. Yes. Um, uh, so Andrea Dora is is calling anyone they can find for more lifeboats, and this is the successful bit of the evacuation. Um, not at first, like the Stockholm is still too worried about sinking themselves to send help. Uh, a freighter turns up, but they only have two lifeboats. No one can see anything. Um, but unlike the Titanic, like a lot of ships come to come to the site of the collision very quickly. Yes. Um, the the biggest determinant is. Ile de France, which is a big honking French liner, uh, has just left New York for La Havre. So, somehow miraculously survived the war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and when they hear the first distress call, the captain doesn't really want to go, because in a sort of echo of the Titanic, he doesn't think a modern ship can just sink like that. And if they do go, and it's nothing, and the Italians are just being hysterical, they have to go back to New York, refuel again, and start over again, and everyone's going to be mad at them. Um, oh. But they hear the other distress calls, eventually they say, they, they, fine. <laughs> yeah, oh, fine, yeah. fine, fine, go to the fucking thing. show up just as the fog clears and say, ho oh, oh, ho, we be. We are yeah. the French. Yeah, we <laughs> Apparently, this is like a huge heroic moment for the like survivors. Is you know the fog clears and you see this huge French ship with all the lights on, uh, covered in lifeboats, and you're just like, oh, okay, I'm not going to die. Uh, and they take off the other seven hundred so passengers. Um, one thing I one thing I like about this is I, I I've mentioned this before. So we we talked about how Captain Calamari was uh, a veteran of, of of both world wars on the Italian side. Um, it, during the Second World War, the Italian Navy Supreme Command had to issue an order to, to its captains saying, you don't have to go down with a ship. Yes, I do. If, if your ship gets <laughs> sunk... You don't, and, you don't have to go down with the ship. And, and yeah. everyone else makes it off. You can just step off of the thing and get rescued. Yes. We I need you alive more. I love the idea of like a captain like having seen the last of his passengers or his crew off you know the bow is uh is is descending into the sea, and he's just up there, both middle fingers raised. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. I, but it's it's also like fifteen feet of water, so it's like a little less dramatic than it should be. Just slowly <laughs> yeah. going down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. This is the thing. This is the thing. Italian Italian captains of the war widely refused that order. They just ignored it. They just like went down with their ships anyway. Oh, what are uh, they gonna do? Kill me? <laughs> yeah, and 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 Calamari is well, Calamayo. I'll, I'll, I'll say his name right for this yes. last bit. So Cal Calamari is like he's of that mold, and he doesn't want to get off the ship. They eventually make him when it's clear it's unsalvageable. It's um, it's it's like uh, it, it, I I want to say he was dragged bodily off the yes, ship. Yes, yeah, that's that's a good captain. I mean, obviously he fought for the bad guys, yeah. uh, for which we don't applaud. But we do applaud a guy who's just like trying to fight his way to his own death. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I will and say there was there was also a, an extent to which uh, there was a period of time where it would have been realistic to drag the ship onto the Nantucket Shoals. Oh, sure, and prevent yeah. it from sinking. But you would have to get a tugboat there real fucking quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this 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 ruins the sea for Calamine, by the way. Uh, mm -hmm. 
in, in sort of an echo of the Titanic, uh, you know, get them into the boats thing, his last words when he dies, 16 years later, are, are all the passengers safe? Like, it's still in his head. Uh, it, it just, like, it ends his career, more or less, uh, and it, it just sort of, like, destroys something that had been the focus of his entire life. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, he was a Nazi for a while. Or perhaps yeah. not a Nazi, but a fascist yeah. at least. Right. So. He is a reformed fascist, though. Probably yeah, not. True. But it's Pro- okay. probably, well, probably not reformed, but like he wasn't actively doing fascism. He was just. We don't know that. Ship. We can't know that. I That's will, a good I point, will yeah. dig him up and years of let him. You're gonna, you're gonna, <laughs> you're, you're gonna do a cadaver synod. Yeah, on Captain yeah. Cal. Yeah, <laughs> Captain Calamari. People are gonna get real, real. It's gonna. We're just gonna get a flood of those. Why don't you respect the dead comments? Like they're dead. What are they gonna do? Fight back? No, uh, you shouldn't have no, been a piece no, of shit it, while you were alive. It's not uh, good because some of the people who survived this accident are still alive. <laughs> yeah. Well, someone got mad at us like a couple weeks ago for the Texas City explosion. I was if just you, like, if I you can't. if you survived oh, this sinking, get mad at us in the comments. Yeah, honestly, yes. uh, if you are an Andrea Doria survivor, yeah, you're, yeah. you're mad at us. That's fine. I respect we'll, we'll, that. We'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it eventually it, it tips over. Uh, yeah, like it tips over. It took. It takes a good twelve hours to actually yeah, the, go down, and almost everyone, other than the three people who were killed during the evacuation. Um, everyone who was not killed in the initial impact made it off the ship. Yeah, um, it's a good, it's a good it's, evacuation it's, apart it, from the it, initial part. It's actually, I, I think it shows how much safer ocean liners were by the 1950s. You know, yeah, and it's, it's like, by having that like systematization of distress calls and coming to aid of ships in distress. Yes. And, and like, you know, it's, I don't, I feel like in a way this is sort of, uh, you know, we talk about engineering disasters, but I, I feel like the, the Andrea Doria sinking is a testament to like how much better safety procedures got that you could get 1200, well, just under 1200 people off a ship. Um, yeah. Right. Certainly. And, and getting almost everyone split lived. like a piece of lumber. <laughs> Is not something you're normally planning for. Getting split in half by a boat that's yeah, one third. Not a reinforced <laughs> icebreaker for bow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you you keep everybody out of the water. You everyone has lifeboats. It's yeah. it's it's good. It's well done. Uh, also, the photographer who took this picture uh, like got the Pulitzer Prize for it because he took it from a plane. I think not even a helicopter, mm-hmm. a small plane. Uh, this is the just- first and only ocean liner sinking. That was on television. Um, I mean, this sh- sh- shocked the world. Like, oh my god, this is the reality of an ocean liner sinking. Yeah, know? and everyone's like, we got to start flying now, which is at this point way more dangerous. That, that probably yeah, bad, bad. That was yeah, bad for the earth. Uh, personally, more safe, uh, more safe, maybe, but generally bad. Mm. <laughs> we fucked up. Uh, Yes, yeah. I, I, I have one little detail here that I added, which is another victim of the, uh, of the Andrea Doria, it also killed a car. Ironic! Yes, so, so Andrea Doria had a 50-car garage on board, uh, including this one-of-a-kind prototype, the Chrysler Norseman. 
Murdered um, by the MS Stockholm. <laughs> I know. Yeah. The Norse, they love killing each other. Um, if, if you look at the windows, they don't have pillars. They have A or B pillars, it just has this like long, cantilevered roof. Um, it, it's like it's this incredible design. Um, and it was it was never never pursued after this. They never Chrysler never tried anything like this. It was be it was built by uh, Ghia in Italy. They sent it on to to Chrysler on the Andrea Doria, and it went down with it. And uh, now it is like four wheels at the bottom of the ocean. Everything else is like just evaporated, more or less. Certain kinds of steel don't hold up good to salt water, and this is one of them. Yeah, shame. Um, meanwhile, the Stockholm. Escaping from the scene of the crime. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it looks it looks hungry now. It looks like mm. Uh, it's but a flesh wound. (laughs) (laughs) So, but as as you can see, it's not being towed. It's it's it makes New York under its own power. That's Uh, that's the power of diesel engines, right there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, carrying a load of survivors as Mm. Ile de France is. You get an absolute media circus in New York Mm. City. Uh, you got photographers harassing families waiting for news of their loved ones. You get like photo ops of department stores donating clothing to people who don't need it. Uh, m- most notably, you have the actress Ruth Norman, uh, who had played a woman in a movie waiting for news of her kid who's in a plane crash, and her a real actual kid was on the fucking Andrea Doria. So uh, you had photographers fighting each other trying to get photos of her while she like does the thing from the movie. Uh, her real kid did survive, I believe, uh, but it's it's a fully a circus. Yeah, it's a, it's testament to the uh, shipbuilders at Gothenburg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we built a raiding ship again by accident. By accident, yeah. <laughs> after this is like the process of determining fault, which was very bad. Mm. Um, so. Who caused this accident? In order to uh, determine the legal process for who caused this accident, we need to recall something we mentioned earlier in the episode. Swedish American Lines was in a little bit of a pickle, right? Because mm-hmm. they had just ordered two brand new ships, just ordered and took delivery of two brand new ships, in fact, from Ansaldo in Genoa, right? Uh, the MS Gripsholm pictured here, and the MS Kungsholm, right, which was, they were, they were both built by Ansaldo, same builder of the Andrea Doria, and so they yeah, were- Yeah, what, what are you gonna sue the guy who's building your new boats to be like, why'd you sell right. me a shitty boat? Yeah, there was, there was like a, there, there's a couple of clear, like, routes to say, well, you know, we shouldn't be responsible for all these damages because the Andrea Doria was improperly engineered. Right, there's there's a couple of clear and known deficiencies in the Andrea Doria, and there was a legal route that you could have pursued there, but you also ordered those ships. Right, that's They're a suicide mission. Ships. <laughs> so, <laughs> My brother in Christ, you also ordered the ships. <laughs> so so this line of attack in in, in court just simply failed to materialize. A lot of people were like scheduled to testify and Italian lines and Swedish American lines uh, settled out of court. <laughs> yeah, they, you, don't, you don't want like the, the image of a protracted court battle. You want it to go away. 
Yeah, they 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 ate their losses. Both lines ate their losses very disproportionately uh, as well, because um, the Italian lines wind wind up paying out like fifty million dollars to uh, replace the ship and uh, the families of the victims, and you know the replacing property. And Swedish American Lines pays two million dollars to replace the bow of the Stockholm. <laughs> And that's it. And incidentally, they replaced the bow of the Stockholm quite poorly. It it was done at uh, Bethlehem Shipbuilders. I forget, I forget exactly where. Um, I don't know where the Bethlehem. Yeah, they just they just get the Americans was. to do it. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it mm. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> the, 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 we'll get there. There was no blame that was ever fully placed, but the general vibe was that Captain uh, Calamari did it right. <laughs> you know, he was. We gotta stop calling this man Captain Calamari. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was, he was, he said to be, he was speeding. His ship was not ballasted properly. There may sure. have been a watertight door missing, which is a disputed mm. thing. Right. And so he lost his job and he never sailed the ship again. Um, yeah. And the actual cause is still very much disputed. Now, nah, I blame the Swedish guy. Carl Hans Jürgen Svensman, definitely the Swedish guy. Yeah. Oh. Um, There was a there was a study at the uh, Merchant Marine Academy which suggested that third mate Karstens Johansson misread his radar. It was on a five mile setting and not a fifteen mile setting as he thought. So the ship was much closer than he thought he was. And if they had just installed a light bulb above the radar, it would have (laughs) solved the issue. But the big thing is, we don't know. Everyone really covered their asses on this one. Do, um, do some wild speculation in the replies. Give me some conspiracy theories yeah, about some, this. Give me some conspiracy yeah. theories about the Andrea Doria, because... Right after you're it, done cancelling us. Yes. Very, very early instance of Operation Gladia. <laughs> the other thing is, the wreck, even now that it's at the bottom of the sea, it continues to kill. Oh yeah, it hungers <laughs> for blood. Uh, this 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 thing that it's been called the Everest of scuba diving, uh, because it's in a very awkward position. But for a long time, it was thought to have it was imagined to have a lot of valuable shit on there. People thought, oh, all of those safes, those have got to be like full of jewelry from like rich heiresses and shit. Um, it doesn't, but. What it does have is a series of characteristics. It's very deep, so you have to do mixed gas and you have to do multiple stage decompression. Uh, it's very, very easy to stir up sediment, at which point your visibility goes to zero. Uh, it's covered in fishing nets and wire that just snag uh, anything that on you. Um, and it's also in an area of very strong currents that are essentially like tearing the wreck apart. Um, which not only like fucks with your visibility, but it also makes it quite an unstable wreck to dive. Like, there's no safe wreck to dive into, but uh, much less one that is sort of like actively falling or being torn apart. Like your access points are changing all the time. Uh, by reputation, it's a very difficult ship. It's killed twenty two divers. Wow. Um, <laughs> Eventually, it's going to kill more people than it killed when it sank. We're getting there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it mostly has drowned them, sometimes by decompression sickness. Weirdly, almost all of them die trying to get China off of it, like, you don't uh, need cups. that bad. 
Yeah, just as like a prestige thing, and it's like, no, leave the cups alone. Um, th th they've salvaged all of the like important bits with more successful expeditions, as they've taken all the bells and the foghorns and shit off. They did open all of the safes, and they found a bunch of like old bearer bonds and shit like that, but nothing really as exciting as they hoped they would. It's um, it's interesting. They call it the Everest of scuba diving because it reminds me of Ever Everest in the way that like it's more accessible to rich people than you might think. Yeah, you know? it's it's just it accessible enough to be dangerous. It's, it's just accessible enough that, like, rich people will get themselves killed on it. Yes, yeah, <laughs> That's absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's right. true. That's true. I, we have to, we, we, critical support for Wreck of the Andrea Dory. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And then the Stockholm. Oh, yes. It's so silly. So yeah, it's, the, the, they, it's unkillable. The, the, they they towed the ship out of the environment. The boat of my people. <laughs> yes, and then they put the front back on. Yes, uh, for for a while it was in East Germany as Völkerfreundschaft, friendship between nations, where it was one of the ships that tried to run the embargo during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, then it went to the Norwegians, who tried to use it as a floating prison for asylum seekers because we love social democracy. Yes. Um, after that, it was rebuilt into a cruise ship. Apparently, the most difficult part of that was the shitty bow that the Americans put on it, which wasn't as good as the rest of it. Yes. Um, hey. they, also added <laughs> this, they added this duck tail, I want to say it's called on the back here for better kind of like it, to be honest. Yeah, it, um, it works. Um, and it, it's still in service as a cruise ship. Uh, yeah, it's, the, it, it, it has been out of service for two years now due to COVID-19. Hmm. Um, but it still it still thirsts for blood. It's yeah, invincible. It sails the seas. <laughs> Hungry. Both its successors mm. have been uh, scrapped, but it's it's, it's still there because you know what they built this one in Sweden, and it turns out they know how to build a ship. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, too well. And they built the they built it too good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in five years, when this runs into Queen Mary too. Oh God! And destroys it. <laughs> <laughs> be like a, be like a, like a pin exploding Just, a balloon. Yeah. <laughs> well, what did we learn? Uh, get the Swedes to build your ships. Yeah, get the Swedes to build your ships. Get the Swedes to build your ships and build a good ship. Don't do ship diving. Yeah, don't do ship diving. Um, put, put, shell out the extra couple of cents for a light bulb over your displays. Yes. Um, Even less now, it's an LED. If you're going uh, to sue the Italians, don't buy ships from them. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, the whole, the whole, like, the environment of, like, buying ships is strange to me. Oh, it's weird as hell, especially it's, once you get into like yachts and stuff. They're like yeah. all one-offs, and like all of them sink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, once you have one, you may as well write it off immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea Doria. Oh, and I guess we also learn to like maintain a sort of rapid system of saving of life at sea, but whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, rapid and very effective. The problem is we didn't learn anything from this episode, because... Because it worked already, too good! It, it worked too good! <laughs> it was a good evacuation. 
everyone who wasn't immediately killed other than the child who was domed made it off. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the woman who just fell and like broke yeah. her spine. Yeah. That woman. Other than that. Yeah, I think I think Captain uh, Captain Calamar Cal- Calamay Calamay I think Calamay Calamar Captain he was, Calamari. He was done a... dirty by the liberal media. I okay. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Well, Susie, these, third, these days he would, <laughs> he he would have a a company selling like sh- uh, like t shirts with flags on the sleeve. You know, it's like the re- this is like the reverse of the Costa Concordia. <laughs> yeah, very, very like good Italian captain mm-hmm. who does not want to get off the ship, be dry, dragged bodily off yeah. the sinking ship <laughs> four hours before it sanks it's properly. Opposite of uh, Bordo Cazzo. <laughs> All right, we have a segment on this podcast called Safety Third. Shake hands with danger. Ooh, that's danger. That is danger. This has been written as safety third. Yeah, I wrote I wrote in safety third uh, as a joke. Oh well, the joke has been acknowledged. Thank you. I've acknowledged your acknowledgement of the joke. Congratulations, Alice. Hello, Alice, Justin, Liam, and any guests. Wrong. No guests. Uh, unless we have Mia do a voiceover. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I retract I used, my biz- I used to work at a small, humane society. I had been filling in as the maintenance guy when I didn't have any other work to do. But eventually, I didn't have time for maintenance stuff anymore. When they finally hired a maintenance guy to deal with things, the main qualification was, we'll work part-time. For cheap. Nice. Oh, good. That's what we want. We had two washers and two dryers. They ran all day to keep up with the dirty laundry from all the animals. Yeah, animals are gross. Yeah, they're terrible. Um, <laughs> it is funny to call it laundry, though. I mean, I guess it, it is, but... After constant use, the dryers started squeaking quite loudly. I kept telling my coworkers that the dryers would always squeak. From the constant use and the kitty litter and the laundry, but nobody liked that answer and continued to claim, complain to me and the maintenance guy. One morning, I came into work after my day off, and everyone asked, "Did you hear about the fire yesterday?" <laughs> okay, what a well, way to dr- start, Jesus. Dry- dryers, right? And if you don't empty the thing, you burn your house down. Dryers are like, I think, generally like a bad idea. Um, Probably, probably I, I, I don't have one. I like hang my clothes up to dry, and I, I, I miss its absence. But on the other hand, I, I acknowledge that it is luxury. It is a waste. I've always found that like that the issue with dryers is like I'm, I'm paranoid about house fires. So like when I run, yeah, a large number of appliances like them, I can't leave the house for several hours. Right. Um. You know. Yeah. Unless dishwasher. you've got like sprinklers put in yeah. or something. Dishwashers too. Um, also, the washing machine as well. I mean, all that stuff can catch fire real easy. Um, I, I, I'm. I would say that like hanging up your clothes to dry is something that is for people who live in beautiful Italian towns, where you can just hang it across like an alley or something on a line. You know, this this is uh, true. Yes, uh, I 
had an indoor drying rack for a while. It worked. It worked fine. It saved yeah, me a it's fine. Just take, takes month. takes up the space though. <laughs> the space. Yeah, it's irritating. Oh, mine folded up though. Mm. Anyway, one morning I came to work after my day off, and everyone asked, "Did you hear about the fire yesterday?" Question mark, exclamation point, question mark, close, uh, quotations. Thank <laughs> you, um, Microsoft, Justin. Yes. I was directed to the maintenance guy who carefully explained that yesterday he got tired of everyone hearing, uh, every, everyone complaining about the squeaking dryers and decided to fix them. So he grabbed a can of WD-40. Oh, no. It, because it stops squeaks. He's right, it does. I've, it unimpe- unimpeachable, flawless logic. This is true. He then went to the first running dryer, which is a 240-volt electric dryer. And I know it in Europe, that's normal. Here in America, that requires a special outlet. Um, huh. And he opened the door, took out the clothes, sprayed in the WD-40. <laughs> On the inside of the drum. He said, then it caught fire. I had no idea WD-40 was flammable. <laughs> oh, boy. What did, you, what did you think it was? Just vibes? It displaces water. It's water displacement 40. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe water displacement 39 was what he was more familiar with. <laughs> and that one wasn't flammable. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a non-flammable way of displacing water with a with a liquid, yeah. Sponge. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not a liquid. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna invent the liquid sponge. <laughs> yeah, the spray the spray on sponge. Yeah, right after I build my hydrogen bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Absorbing radiation with my spray on sponge coating. Yes. The maintenance guy then told me that since the dryer was on fire, he ran down the hallway and grabbed a pan of water to throw on the dryer and put it out. <laughs> You'll note that no part of this story involved unplugging the 240-volt dryer before applying the WD-40 or pouring water on it to put out the fire. Well, the water thing makes sense to me, because if, if you've got water displacement, all you want to get is your water mm-hmm. displacement displacement, or yes. water. Just water, yeah. Your WDDW force. WDDW, yeah, sure. After I carefully questioned the maintenance guy, and he looked confused. Uh, why would I need to unplug the dryer? I told him he was lucky he was only regrowing his eyebrows, and then took him for a short walk from the dryer to the sink where he got his pan of water to put out the fire. I used uh, that walk to point out the four electric-rated fire extinguishers, including one next to the sink that he had passed up to get his pan of water. (laughs) After that, the maintenance guy decided not to do any more work on electric stuff without me around to help him do safety checks. Good man. I, uh, great moments in emergency response, you know? (laughs) I, there's no cure for being a dumb guy. We have to protect dumb guys. So well, there, there is one, one permanent cure that this guy nearly experienced. Nearly experienced. We want to avoid that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get, get you some safety education, please. <laughs> Over here, PPE. Yes. No, no way your fire extinguishers are. 
Thank you for all the fun podcasts. And if you need a quick episode, you could do a WTYP on the rise of Scott Walker in Wisconsin politics. It has trains and children being held hostage in bathrooms at the state fair. Wild. I know the trains part. I don't know the second part. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll look into it. We're investigating yeah. this very strongly after Italian month, unless yeah. Scott uh, Walker yeah. is Italian. Yeah. We're going to have to, we're, we're, unfortunately, we're going to have to complete Italian month. <laughs> yeah. Get back to us at the end of Italian month, which, yes. you know, God knows when that will be. Arrivederci. Um, our next episode is on the Genoa molasses disaster. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone have any we, commercials before we go? <laughs> uh, we have a Patreon. You should subscribe to the, the commercial that you heard is not the only commercial because now it's this commercial also. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, 10,000 losses, kill James Bond, trash each year, uh, follow all of us on Twitter, or don't. Uh, yeah, or, 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 um, again, a message to the FBI, I'm not actually going to build a hydrogen bomb. Yes, I don't he is. know Get how him. to do that. Get him. Kill him. Dominate him. <laughs> but I might. No, I'm not going to do it. But I might. FBI, open up! <laughs> All right, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye.